0: Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt, and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids Radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. It's always great for more parents to hear these stories and get the information. All right. Thank you. And on with the show. Last week, I spoke with Shiloh Curtis about how we might raise strong girls. Shiloh was instrumental in setting up the Australian Football League for Women, and she currently helps young people realise their potential through Own Journey Travel, which is a leadership program that takes place overseas. And I figured that making a better world for our girls includes raising our boys well. We can't forget that side of the equation. So Shiloh is here again to talk to us a bit about how we might do this. Hi, Shiloh. How are you? Great. Thank you. So if there was one key thing you think that we should be teaching our boys in order to make it a more equitable world for girls, what would it be?
1: Well, the first thing that comes to mind is really free them to be themselves and um, yeah, allow them to grow into whoever it is they are rather than cultivate them to be this this idea of what we think a man should be. If we talk about that, is
0: there a place for the phrase healthy masculinity?
1: Oh, absolutely! Uh, it, like there's a there's space to be to have healthy femininity, and that's something myself. You know, I've really struggled with growing up as a, you know, as a really tomboyish kind of girl. That femininity was something that was positioned as a real weakness. And you know, there's a, I mean, one of the strengths of femininity is love and care and nurturing, and that's exactly who I am in, innately in my core and what I stand for as a person. But I really struggled with that a lot growing up. That I thought that was unhealthy, unhealthy, or I would be vulnerable, or I'm weak, and I and I couldn't afford to be that because you. Got to survive in the world and to survive, you've got to be strong, you know. So in fact, being comfortable with the feminine parts of who we are, those feminine traits um, is actually great strength. And so I think the same exists for boys in terms of healthy masculinity, that um, we need to help them understand that uh, a healthy masculinity is around actually being comfortable enough to embrace those feminine elements of who we are.
0: I know that um, you've seen sport have such a great influence for girls. But it seems to me that when, as an outsider looking in, because I'm not a sporty person, I don't watch it, I don't, <laughs> I don't play it. But when I watch the codes that have, you know, elite sportsmen in them, like rugby league, it seems there's a real kind of toxic masculinity there. We've seen so many stories come out about um, really poor behaviour towards women and even to themselves in the way they um, drink and do fight and stuff like that. And I know not all men who play rugby are terrible and boys, etc. But there are enough stories out there to make me wonder. So is it possible that sport does engender a certain type of masculinity that's unhelpful?
1: Uh, oh, absolutely. And I think historically, yes, um, that sport, you know, globally has always been positioned. Uh, the the way in which we define success in sport is around the scoreboard. It's outcome. It's really outcome focused. We don't really care too much about the process. And therefore, you know, we we, we want to be bigger, faster, stronger, better, best, you know, and, and in... You know, I guess in biological terms, men have sort of been cultivated in, in ways to make sure that they are the best because historically our survival is dependent on that. Now, that's not the case in sport, but we've taken that, that sort of framework over there. And, you know, I do still – I have a bunch of challenges with sport around scoreboard being the ultimate determinant uh, yeah, determinant of our success. And so there is some really great stuff that's starting to come into coaching um, of, of boys and girls and men and women in sport that really is more focused on process uh, having good process as being the true success indicator. And if you get that right, you'll get your scoreboard outcomes and and, and then scoreboard success ultimately will be a byproduct of process success. So I think that's really critical. And in that, I think there is opportunity to coach and train our boys and young men and adult men to really investigate their own personal process and to be much more balanced in that and there's freedom there are other qualities that we can appreciate appreciate about you that are just as important as the scoreboard so um, we need to sort of shift our language around that and I think not worry too much about getting that scoreboard outcome because I think that that drives a concept of whatever-it-takes mentality as opposed to winning with integrity. They're, they're really quite different, aren't they? Oh, yes.
0: Hugely different. <laughs> You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Shiloh Curtis, who's the founder of Own Journey Travel. It doesn't really encapsulate everything that she does, though, because she's instrumental in setting up the um, Australian Football League for women. She has often been um, working with young people in leadership, helping them to discover their own best qualities, I suppose. And last week, we were talking about how we raise strong girls, and if I have a girl and a boy, so I want to raise them both well, and possibly because I'm a woman and possibly because I haven't been involved in sport, um, and my husband's the opposite. He's a sports-mad fan. He was in an AFL team in Adelaide and always tells me how they won state competitions when he was a teenager. Bless, that was a while ago. But it's really important to him that our children, both our children, play sport, so what would you say to someone like me, my son's only three and a half, so I don't mind if he doesn't play sport yet, but if he turns around and says to me, mum, I really want to play rugby, and my, inside I'm going, head injuries, toxic masculinity, blah, 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 how would you respond to that in terms of trying to find the best way he can engage in sport to be the kind of man that I hope he will be one day?
1: Well, I think the self-awareness piece is really important. And we spoke last week around doing the same thing with girls and understanding their own personal boundaries and their own personal set of values and what they will and won't stand for. But also that piece, and I think particularly for boys... Uh, just like with girls, it's important for them to be able to say, speak up and say, no, that's not okay for me. Um, I think it's important to teach our boys to stand up and say exactly the same thing um, in relation to the behaviour of others around them and to be able to develop a lens where they can filter what comes in and what comes out, what messages that come in and out. And we know that absolutely sport is on a, a journey around um, challenging its own the own negative aspects of of, um, of hypermasculinity and, and, and becoming more gender-balanced in its approach. And, and I think... What What's really lovely is this beautiful, as I call the women's spring of women in sport in Australia. Um, What we're actually seeing, and I certainly know this within an AFL context, that those professional men's AFL clubs, you know, within weeks of the women walking into those clubs last year, that, you know, the men were automatically saying straight away that, geez, the place is just feeling a bit different. It's feeling a bit gentler and a little bit softer and that they were enjoying that. So, and I think this will spread, you know, quite broadly um, and I think, um, we 'll actually see a real trickle down effect there that will impact and I, and i look i 've seen this in Victoria um, across community based clubs where girls have been at the club and i 've had club presidents say to me I had this beautiful club president say to me uh, you know and I really sort of you know, quite of a hyper-masculine sort of football club and he, and he said to me, he goes like, we've had this under 15 girls team's coming to our footy club and, and I'm like, yeah, and he said, and it feels like we've had an amputated limb return to us and now we feel whole oh! and I was like, how beautiful is that? Like, it's so articulate and such a beautiful wow. expression of, of you know, something they didn't know that they were missing and then when they got it, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. We never want to live life without it and so I think this will happen across all sports at a community at a high performance level and there'll be a real shift in the coming generations around how masculinity is expressed and what we value in men and and what we'll call men... to account on, we'll hold them to account on. So with our little boys, I think we have to teach them to hold each other to account, but also to hold themselves to account. So that self-awareness piece is really critical. So they can actually really look at themselves in the mirror and become their own judge and and be the person that regulates their own behavior. Because we know that pack mentality, you know, it's very hard for a, a boy or a young man to be able to speak, you know, speak out against the crowd and say, no, this is not okay, boys. We need to do this differently. So being able to teach our boys to be able to be that person is really critical. And in all of that,
0: what is a father's role? Because um, there's only so much. I mean, I love my little boy. He's gorgeous. I love to cuddle him and and all the rest, spend time with him. But if he had a choice... He'd choose his dad, bless him. <laughs> He's very attached to his father. So uh, I'm not saying that all boys are like this, but but what is um, often I find anyway, it's the mums that are doing the research about how can I raise my child well. We're the ones that worry about it. We're the ones that for some reason have this weird mother's guilt whenever we leave our children, right? And that is a whole other interview, probably a series. Correct. But, <laughs> right? But um how do we bring our dads into this conversation? Because speaking only from my own family, I'll bring up something like that with my husband and he'll be like, but I'm fine. And he, he is quite evolved in a way. And he's like, I'm fine. I'm nice. I'm good to women. I'm blah, blah, blah. Why why do I have to still to stop call, telling him to stop crying like a baby? And I'll be like, well... He's not going to listen to me. I'm his wife. But how do we bring the men onto this journey to help our boys have a different kind of life?
1: Yeah, it not it interesting that the, um, the, the luxuries of privilege um, is that you don't know what you don't know. And if you've never experienced um, those kind of prejudices or you've been on the end of those kind of toxic behaviours um, – you don't really have a complete understanding of what that's like, and to be able to empathise is and really challenging. So, you know, for women, you know, for the LGBTQI community, for non-white people, for Indigenous people, we all understand what it likes to be on the on the other end of those kind of behaviours. But um, if you're a really privileged person, like a straight white man, then um, it's very hard to see those things. And and so I think the conversation around empathy is really important. And I think not whacking the men in our communities also for not really having that um understanding because it's i mean it's not their fault they're born into that situation but at the same time really trying to seek out a commitment from them that um that that they there are things that, that they don't yet understand um, because of their own life experiences and that's okay but they've just got to trust the people in their lives that these things actually do exist so and i think even it's before having children before you know that choice to conceive and and um, having the conversation with each other and so what type of parents do we want to be and how do we want to be in this relationship how do, in this commitment to each other and and in the parenting agreement that we bring into this you know what are we going to stand for what's important to us and actually having almost like a an informal contract that we sort of enter into around you know how is this going to play out for us so i think that's really critical but i think whilst you're in it really continually tap into that empathy with those men in our lives and and um and you know, I keep informing them I'll keep challenging them to challenge themselves on bringing in new and different ways of doing things and just because it worked for for your husband growing up it doesn't mean it's going to happen for your son in exactly the same way because he's his own person and he's going to have his own schoolmates and he's going to be in his own environments and his own sporting teams so it's not actually a carbon copy you know example of what your what your husband went through so um, I think a reminder around that too is really important that's a c- completely different set of circumstances except there's half of his DNA in there I'll just invite you to dinner okay sure no worries (laughs) (laughs) Shiloh thank you so much for your time today no
0: worries great to be here that's Shiloh Curtis she's the founder of Own Journey Travel and as I mentioned we did speak last week about raising strong girls so if you heard this interview and you'd like to revisit that you can find it in just about anywhere you can find it on our website kindling.com.au you can download the podcast or you can get it for free as part of our Kindling app